the People's Corner, hailing from Corrupticut, the unconstitutional state, the Italian Clydesdale in your corner. Okay, so I'd like to follow up on my first Alex Jones. What the heck is going on with what's going on too and with this uh, these civil action? So first, what I'd like to point out is what are called statute of limitations in the, the civil litigation. Um, in Connecticut, there's a two to three year statute of limitations on damages. Damages is three, defamation is two. That's defined Texas is two, I think, for both. Now, what's unclear to me is two years from the date of incident, from the alleged damages, which would be perhaps when Alice Jones started talking about Sandy Hook, uh, that would be upon the first time he did, the plaintiff might claim the damages. In other words, where's the clock start? I don't know. I'm not an attorney. I've represented myself in civil court here in what I call corrupticate in criminal court. I had to actually file motions to withdraw appearance for my defender and motions for dismissal and uh, motions to recuse judges, peremptory challenge judicial authority for an administrative judge to get a case dismissed, a forced dismissals. I've never been convicted of anything, but I've been charged with uh, illegal charge with crimes as I fight the corruption here in what I call corrupticate. Uh, reporting to the DOJ Task Force on Corruption, uh, former U.S. Attorney Deidre Daly, uh, House Judiciary Committee, uh, former co-chair Meeting Gonzalez on judicial reform. Um, I've reported to many senators and House reps, uh, both on the federal and state level. Um, the Attorney General's Office, uh, uh, Consumer Constituent Affairs, Assistant Attorney General Sandra Arenas. I mean, I, for a while there, I really was very active from 2014 till about 2000, I'd say, mid-2018. I'm still active, but I'm disabled now. I can't drive. Um, and football. I sure listen to my grandma and play piano, but I played football. So here I am. 60, going on 62 and needing multiple surgeries. Both hips replaced, uh, displaced vertebrae, ruptured disc. Um, so now I'm an armchair, <laughs> armchair, uh, uh, looking at the news and what's going on. And I've always been interested in legal aspects of things. Uh, by the way, um, I could say a lot more about my legal cases and how far I got. And whatnot, but but I really want to talk about the statute of limitations issues at hand here, regarding uh, damages and defamation. Okay, you have to establish: Does this? Do, I mean, does this civil action have jurisdiction? If it's beyond the statute of limitations, from the uh, alleged damages, point of damages then there's no jurisdiction. The incident happened nearly 10 years ago. Do you see where I'm going with this? So it's very confusing to me. I don't have answers. I'm asking questions. And I want to say up front, I'm not pro or con Alex Jones. I think he's done some good things exposing, you know, the Bilderberg, uh, World Economic Forum, the vaccine issues. You know, there's a lot of good things he's done. I haven't followed him like a lot of people have for years. Um, I've heard of him, but never really listened much. What parked my, speak, um, sparked my interest was some of the good doctors. I was on Telegram. I think Maria Z or um, there's another fella. Um, I can't remember his name right now. Um, that was posting some Alan Jones stuff. And I saw AJ was uh, having good doctors on from like Dr. Malone and other good doctors 
that were pushing back on and actually trying to help with early therapeutics and, and keep people well, Dr. Peter McCullough. And so uh, that's where I started turning to Alex Jones. So regarding this matter, yeah, what's happening with the statute of limitations? I, I don't understand how we're... The other question, I think, I'm just, as thing, thoughts come to mind, is if, you know, the attorneys for the families, one would think, would want to nip things in the bud as soon as possible, get a large judgment uh, in, in civil, a large award, and stop all this. In other words, all of a sudden there was a huge uh, settlement or some, you know, of that kind. It would deter people. If that was the agenda, why wasn't it done sooner? You know, this is all very strange. Now, there's a lot more to talk about with that, but let me segue into statute of limitations and uh, let's see regarding damages and dollar amounts. You have what's called compensus. Oh, I always have trouble with this word. I have a lazy tongue. I used to have to go to speech therapy. So, comp, see, compensatory, compensatory, compensatory damages. And then there's uh, def, you know, what are punitive damages or def, defamatory damages. Okay. How they prove compensatory, uh, compensatory, no, I'm not saying that, compensatory, compensatory damages is like losses. Do you follow me? Uh, and, and this is a very complicated case, but in other cases it would be, say you got hurt in a car accident or something and you're suing an insurance company and for damages. Well, you know, you could say you lost work, you had hospital bills, you see what I'm saying? I don't know how they came up with four point odd million on this dollar, on this. I have no idea. See, there's not a lot of transparency. We're not hearing much how they calculate all this. But that's a ton of money. And I don't know how they came up with it. I really don't. And so I'm asking, like, for feedback interaction, what's going on? The other thing, on uh, that's both in Connecticut and Texas, by the way. In Connecticut, uh, defamation is limited legal costs, court fees, things of that nature. It's very tight. So what I understand is the uh, plaintiff's counsel is going to ask Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act to be considered. The acronym is CUTPA, Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act, which you can Google. And I don't know how that would apply to this. I mean, yes, Alex Jones has his business free speech, whatever it is. But it, I mean, let's put it in context. Say, for example, uh, you bought a product. Or you, yeah, you paid money for a product with a company and they did something very unfair and the product failed. And I don't know, maybe there was an injury due to product failure. I, I read the statute and I don't know how it would apply to this. But an article I read about it, about this case, because of the very limited uh, def defamation uh, uh, fees specifically to attorney's fees and court fees uh, in Connecticut that plaintiff's counsel was going to try and uh, uh, motion in the CUTPA Act and have that considered uh, um, for damages. And that's, I'm no legal expert. I'm just learning what I can and sharing it and putting it out to people and see what they think, you know. And maybe we get to learn something. Now, regarding damages and uh, defamation and defamation in Texas, there is a statute limitation of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, what's up with that? I mean, I understand the practice of the court is, which is really strange, is for the judge not to instruct the jury on the cap of $750,000 so that they come up with their own amount. 
which is really bizarre because, you know, let's explore that a little bit. And again, I'm talking about the legal issues here. I'm, I'm just addressing the anomalies and trying to explore it and looking for people to join in and see what they think. So, okay, so you get a, you know, you know, a settlement award of, uh, or the jury grants the defamation of 45 odd million dollars, but the cap is 750,000. Well, I don't know what good that is if you can only, you can't collect on more than the statute at that level, uh, you know, at that court decision. The statute is not established in the court, it's established in the legislature. Do you follow me? So the question comes up and I'm scratching my head going, how is this going to work out? Well, I learned something actually from, from a, a fellow I was in communication with, which is why I do this. He said that in the appellates, there is the, mm, see, there's no sense for Alex Jones to appeal this because for him to do it in his counsel, because the cap in Texas is 750,000. So why would he appeal the 45 mil? He's already got a win. You see what I mean? Does that make sense? A little feather, you know, that people don't realize. But plaintiff's counsel could appeal it and appeal for what's called a cap buster. And only in the appellate's going to be done. And then I don't know if that goes to jury or judge. I sure wouldn't want a judge to decide it if it were me. But my experience with judges here in Corrupticate, I would definitely want to be a jury. So there we have something interesting. It's called cap busters, and it's only in the appellates. Interesting. So that helped me understand, you know, how this process works, and that's what I'm sharing. So um, for those just joining, the first thing I questioned and wondered was, there is a statute of limitations on damages in Connecticut of two to three years. Uh, defamation is two, other damages are three. And in Texas, it's two years, I believe, for both. That's my recollection. That's a statute of limitation. Now, when does the, when does the clock start on that? It's very important because we're almost 10 years after Sandy Hook, right? And so then the, the question I ask is, well, uh, I thought initially it would be from date of incident, meaning, you know, the tragedy, the, you know, whatever, the Sandy Hook events. However, if it's about liability for damages, it would be upon the what would be the defendant in this case. Somehow, the plaintiff's going to claim damages were established upon what date? Well, we're we're again we're nearly ten years after Sandy Hook, so I don't know when. I, I'm not a big Alex Jones follower. I'm trying to stay objective, and so the question is, what is plaintiff's claim? was when Alex Jones first started talking about this. Obviously, you would think it'd be when he last started talking about it as a false flag. You see what I mean? And I don't know when that is, but if it's 2018, let's pick a date. Let's say it's 2018. So two years would be 2020. Well, depending on, of course, first month, last month, you know, there's lots of window there. And then when was, when was the suit filed? It has to be filed within the statute. You see what I mean? So I'm trying to talk about statute limitations on time in damage cases, including defamation. So the two to three years in Connecticut, it's two years on damages and three years on uh, defamatory, what are called torts or um, Punitive. That's a punitive tort. Now, you're going to hear me use legal terms. I'm not a lawyer. I fought what's called pro se in the Connecticut courts myself starting in 2014 until I was disabled, no longer able to drive now. And I withdrew all my civil suits without prejudice because I couldn't get to court anymore. Um, so there's no double jeopardy. 
and I can ask for a statute of limitation waiver after surgery so I can bring them again. You follow me? So I, I've just been learning along the way. I have a degree in resource economics and I used to work on federal Superfund sites as a heavy equipment operator because I didn't want to sit in a cubicle. But now that I'm retired, disabled, I here I am exploring these things now. So getting back to the Alex Jones case, just so you know a little about me. So we have the statute of limitations, the clicking, the, the ticking clock. So the question is, obviously, and I'm repeating, but the Sandy Hook event happened, it occurred almost 10 years ago, right? And here we are, not quite, but 10 years after. So the damages being sought are upon the alleged defamation to Alex Jones, alleged defamation and uh, damages inflict, allegedly inflicted by Alex Jones. I like legal terms because I'm not making a judgment on this. I'm not in the position to do that. I haven't heard all the evidence. I'm only, what I'm gleaning from, you know, mass media and different platforms. And what I'm hearing from other people when I do call-ins, not a lot of people want to talk about this. A lot of people are very opinionated and feel Alex needs to be punished. So that's not where I'm coming from. Alex Jones, let's state a few things before we go back into statutes. Alex Jones has never been charged with a crime. This is not a criminal trial. This is civil. Okay, Alex Jones has never been charged with a crime. Let's be clear about that. He's never been charged with harassment. He's never been charged with threatening anybody. So there's no guilt to be found here. There's either he's found to be liable for damages or he's not. You see the difference? Guilt and innocence is in criminal. It's not that the, the civil is a civil action. and you may lose a judgment. You follow me and be found liable for damages, but it's. I guess people can refer to it any way they want. If there was a crime here, you, you're looking at guilt or innocence. That's my perspective. Okay, but there's no crime has ever been. Alex Jones never been charged with a crime. When people hear that right away, they want to attack me. Look, I'm just stating the facts. Okay. Again, I'm not taking a side. I'm just being as objective as I can, observing the what I call anomalies, the statutes on time and defamation and damages and going, this is all very confusing and none of this seems to follow protocol. So, okay, so looks like we had someone and lost them. Maybe they got upset with, you know, uh, but that's okay. I can't be concerned about what other people think. I have to stick with an analysis that doesn't bring an emotion. Because that's what defense law is about. You have to stick to the statutes, the evidence, material evidence. There's uniform evidence rules and material evidence. There's witness statements. There's, you know... Could be audio video material evidence, could be documents, banks, documents, emails, you know, there's all kinds of texts. See what I'm saying? And then there's the plaintiffs and the defendants and the claims, and yeah, you know. So, okay. So, a lot of this I've talked about before. The new wrinkle is the cap buster that can be applied in the appellates that. Whereby even if the statute in Texas is seven hundred fifty thousand for damages, it can be busted in the appellates. And then, as far as statute limitations on time, the only thing I could say is I I would imagine they're within the two year statute. Although that seems I I, I don't understand how how that happened because we're ten years into this now. And Alex Jones and a lot of other people like Florida Atlantic professor, um, what was his name again? I wrote it down, James, what was a good professor's name? James Tracy, Florida Atlantic University. Well, he was basically citing the same thing as Alex Jones. 
And there were other people, and there still are, if you go on Brave Yandex, who have posts on their Alex Jones false flag, they're still in the public domain. They haven't been sued. I haven't seen anything about them being sued. People putting up some evidence that, you know, is very, well, there's a lot of evidence that's circumstantial and also what I call uh, early flags. And I would encourage anyone, I use Brave and I use Yandex and, and research that yourself, you know. Okay, so we covered da, 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 da. Now, regarding the court proceeding, okay, and again, I'm going to just speak on legal terms, looking at this whole matter and exploring it and look for some feedback. Okay, so the judge determined that Alex Jones lost by default. He never had a jury trial on any, see, in, in the statute, I think it's the Seventh Amendment. If there's a matter over $20, you're entitled to have a jury trial on whether or not you win or lose the matter. The only jury trial aspect of this was after the judge decided that Alex Jones lost by default, the judge decided that, then the jury got to consider the damage amount. Do you follow? So how did that happen? Well, the judge determined that Alex Jones did not comply with subpoena for certain documents, financials, and that he was delaying and whatever. From what I understand, Alex Jones claims he did comply. I think it was a very broad subpoena for documents, and Alex Jones made the case that he did comply. Now, Alex Jones never had a the jury aspect of this would see the jury's the fact finder, right? The judge is a referee in layman's terms. So the jury didn't get to consider that, whether or not he supplied the evidence necessary to be complicit with subpoena or whether he didn't. And this is very strange because, you know, when Alex Jones makes the case, hey, this the judge took away my mm, uh, my case that should have been before the jury pursuant the Seventh Amendment. It's over $20. You know, they should have decided whether or not I was complicit with subpoena. And, and Alex Jones said he did. I, I'm just parroting what Alex Jones said. I don't, I'm not, I wasn't there. I didn't, I don't have access to the documents. So again, all the best I can do is comment on what I see happening on different platforms and try and comment on it and ask questions. If anybody would like to join me, please do call in and, you know, be feel free to speak. I know it's a difficult thing. See, this is part of the issue here. There's free speech issues here, which Professor James Tracy argued with Florida Atlantic University. Because when people feel like they can't speak, then we don't have an exchange of ideas and perceptions. And, and, and this is what's at stake here in a lot of ways. People might say, oh, no, that's not true. You know, you can't yell fire in a theater. Well, Alex Jones didn't do that. There were a lot of people at the time questioning the narrative for what they felt. You know, they had reason to believe that, or at least a question. And if we can't question anything, then we don't have a free democracy, I would argue. Okay. And Alex Jones didn't pull the trigger. So, but it seems like there's a lot of, hate and anger towards them, like as if he was the murderer. He wasn't. But emotions get involved and the media portrays it. People get fired up. Now, here's another thing I want to segue to. Okay. The, 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 the statements have been made that the parents really harassed and threatened by Alex Jones' listeners. Well, there's two points to think about here. One, where people, like I said, there were other bloggers. There was a Professor James Tracy, a lot of other bloggers, and you can still find the material in the public domain. If you were to look up um, Sandy Hook, or Sandy Hook, uh, mm, this is Sandy Hook incident, you know, all kinds of material on this. And so you can, 
if you use an alternative search engine, you're not going to find it on Google. And I use Brave and Yandex. It's out there. If if why weren't those people sued? I'm asking the question if this is the issue and have their stuff mandated to take it down. None of this happened. Why not? If you're the family's attorneys and you want to stop any type of alleged uh, harassment or threatening pursuant what other people are saying, I'm motivating people to do certain things that are illegal, then you would think the lawyers would have sued all platforms and all bloggers or anybody that that was putting out that kind of message, including the professor, James Tracy, out of Florida Atlantic. We're not seeing that. So why is Alex Jones being targeted? I don't know. Again, I'm asking questions. The other thing that's very interesting is, you know, it's stated that certain parents had to move multiple times because harassed so badly. Well, where are the arrests? For example, if someone's coming to my house and harassing me, then where are the arrests? If if they're harassing me allegedly by voicemail, by uh, text, by email, well, the other thing is, where's their surveillance? Where are the police in this? I'm talking about the harass, alleged harassment and threatening. Where are the arrests? One would think that there would be numerous, right? Certainly the police have cybercrime investigation. I went to Fordham University for a year before I transferred to URI, and they have a degree in cybersecurity. You can get a master's, right? So, I mean, where are the arrests? I only saw one. And I, I, I looked through two different search engines, a Brave and Yandex. I'm like, where are the arrests for the people who allegedly harassed and threatened? I mean, I want to see it, right? That's how you have, to, this is how I look at things. I'm Again, I want to say, I'm not making a judgment. I haven't been following Alex Jones long at all. I'm not like, I'm just like, wait a minute. I've fought my own legal cases. I've been arrested fighting corruption here in Corruptica. Again, every criminal case dropped. I'm the one reporting crimes. They arrested me. This is how corrupt it is here. And we had a DOJ task force on corruption. I was reporting to Deidre Daly. And this all backfired on four police departments, the state police, the Milford police, the Shelton police, and the Trumbull police. I got every case dropped, criminal case dropped, and I was reporting crimes, and DOJ indicted. Finally, the DOJ indicted the CPA in my father's probate matter, Joe Castellano, who went to prison. So I wasn't harassing people. I was reporting crimes. There's a long story why that got covered up. And then I was, I'm a victim of pre-sexual assault. People in New York where it happened validated that. They got corroborating evidence. This goes way back when I was in school. And Letitia James sent me a thank you letter. But in the meantime, they prosecuted me here reporting the crime. It's so corrupt here. They cover up for the church, for the lawyers. This is not uncommon. When I was on Facebook before I got booted for stating COVID truths, aligning with frontline COVID critical care doctors and American frontline doctors, which Alex Jones have had those good doctors on the show. Good job, Alex. Dr. Peter McCullough, Pierre Corey. There's a lot of good doctors. And that's what got me booted off Facebook, not citing the legal battles I had or making videos or anything. I've been booted off Facebook. Twitter won't accept my post. Even got booted off Telegram. Imagine that when I started addressing this issue on Telegram. I got booted off Telegram. Huh. Wow. Do we have a free country or not? I mean, if we can't explore ideas and state and examine evidence that's online, that's still online in the public domain and ask questions about it, then we don't have a democracy, in my opinion. Let's take a call. How are you doing? I can... mm. Okay, so I'll keep speaking. I don't know if I'm having trouble unmuting or not, but I did accept the caller. Okay, so for anyone just joining, let's see, did I? Okay, I have one listener and one caller, and I have two listeners now. Hello. Okay, so I kind of lost track. So again, the police are not incompetent here. They know how to do surveillance. 
Certainly they could install cameras on the homes of the parents and on certain street corners or the main street. And, you know, Sandy Hook's a small little town. It's not New York City, right? So where's the surveillance and where then are the arrests of the people that allegedly came to people's homes and drove them to move? You're not going to move because you're getting electronic communication that's allegedly harassing in nature, be it cell phone, text, or email, right? You just change your address. So I'm just being objective here. That's not going to drive you to move. You can change your address. And so, or you might, the police might say, you know, we've all seen the TV shows, you know, the police get involved in surveying surveillance and the electronic communication and make a collar, right? Same thing with someone care house. Now, then you have to look at the statute of harassment in Connecticut. And I had a discussion with a fellow who didn't understand the statute. If someone comes to your door and starts berating you, and you feel harassed, we're not talking about someone coming to sell Bibles. You know what I mean? Someone comes to the door, hi, I'm a Jehovah's Witness, and I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ or whatever. You might say, you know, I'm really not interested. You know, you really can't have that person arrested for harassment. People come to your door. Used to be they come to your door trying to sell you vacuums, right? But if someone comes to your door and you've suffered a loss and they're, you know, berating you and making claims or whatever, you call the cops, have them arrested for harassment. That's a pretty no-brainer. And if they threaten you, now here's the thing. One would think the parents, and I'm just being objective, would installed you know, motion detector lights. So at night, light things up so the cameras would work, motion detector cameras, and you know, sound-sensitive mics. Right? That's how you do it. You want it, security. So the question is. I looked online for arrests of people who allegedly harassed and threatened parents. And I only found one woman out of Florida and I've checked Brave and Yandex. And I only found one woman out of Florida who was arrested for allegedly threatening families. She was a gun activist. And um, I don't know if she did it, but she's in Florida. So she didn't drive to Newtown, Sandy Hook. So whether she did it by text, cell phone, voicemail, or email, it wasn't clear in the article. And she had a prior mental illness and was on medication. And she claimed she had, she never cited Alex Jones in the article. It was just from multiple, you know, blogs and information she heard. So how can you possibly tie that back to one person? There's no way legally to do that. So Alex Jones is not responsible for women with mental illness who also heard the same message from Professor James Tracy out of Florida Atlantic University and other uh, podcasters or bloggers. Clearly. So this, these are the anomalies I'm discussing. Nothing adds up, in my opinion. And I may be missing something. And again, I can stand corrected if someone wants to come on and, and get on and talk and say, well, you know, I learned this and that. That's why I'm doing this. What is happening? What the heck is going on? I don't have the answers. I'm asking the questions. Okay. So for those just joining, the first thing I asked was regarding statute limitations on time, regarding damages and defamation, and on dollar amounts. This, and I'll review because I see we have some new listeners. And I'm not an attorney. I have fought pro se. I've been in the courts. I was fighting multiple different courts for over years, and I learned a lot. And I was drawn in here in Corrupticut because of the corruption and the legal arrests and everything. And then I fought civil suits and probate. And so, so I'm learning and I'm exploring. So anyone can look up the statutes and limitations for damages in Connecticut and defamation in Connecticut online and in Texas. And in Connecticut, for damages, it's two years and defamation as part of damages is, I'm sorry, it's three years, two to three years, depending on what you're talking, compen I always mess this word up, bear with me, compensatory. And then there's defamation. Defamation is a tort that has to do with punitive damages, okay?
And then in Texas, I, I understand that the statute of limitation on time to be two years for both, from what I've read. And the incident happened nearly 10 years ago. So then at what point does the clock start and stop from not date of incident per se, depending it's on when, you know, they're trying to hold Alex Jones liable. So when he started talking about this, when he finished talking about this in a way that they can claim plaintiff counsel and plaintiff can claim it's defamatory and damaging. And I'm not, I haven't been following Alex Jones for years. I only got involved recently regarding the COVID issues. I like the doctors he's had on and I really appreciate the work he did there and exposing the new world order. So this is, I'm new to Alex Jones. For those of you who are long Alex Jones fans, I don't know. The, the, the Obviously plaintiff filed the lawsuit claiming it's within the statute, but we got a 10 year window here and wow. I mean, if they filed, uh, if, if Alex Jones stopped talking about this in 2017, at some point, we're two years, then when was the lawsuit filed? Are we beyond the statute? Apparently, the court has decided not beyond the statute, because if it was, then there'd be no what's called jurisdiction. Do you follow me? If you're beyond the statute of limitations on something, you try and bring a suit, you can ask for a statute of limitation waiver and under extenuating circumstances, you may get it or may not. But, you know, the, the, so I don't know how that played, but I'm asking. And then the statute of limitations on dollar amount. And just for review, in Texas, for defamation, it's $750,000 or twice the compensatory damages. Well, the compensatory damages are huge here. It's 4.odd million, right? And then, so the defamation statute is only 750,000. It's a lot of money, but I mean, so there you have that. So then how did we have a 45 odd million dollar defamation, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, decision by the jury when the statute 750,000, I mean, what's good at, what, what's the point if you can't collect on all that extra money you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm trying to consider here? And I don't have all the answers, you know. Now, in Connecticut for defamation, it's limited to legal fees and court fees. It's like, and you have to prove that. So what I understand plaintiff counsel is going to try and argue under what's called the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act, or the acronym is CUTPA. And if I mess up words sometimes, I have a lazy tongue. I used to have to go to speech therapy when I was a kid. And when I get tired, it's I get tongue-tied. So that's what's going on. A little speech impediment. Some of these words I'm not used to saying, like compensatory. <laughs> Try that one three times fast, right? <laughs> so, okay. All right. So you see what I'm saying? So these 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 judgments are, are really interesting, you know? Now, one thing I did learn, from, and I appreciated hearing when I was doing this show, is somebody let me know that there is an appellate uh, action that can be taken by the plaintiffs. It's called cap busting. So say in Texas, we know the cap is 7,000. So they can take it to the appellates and ask for a cap busting. And I, 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 I don't really know much more about it other than that, folks. So I'm letting you know you can do your research, right? And I didn't see it in any articles. Someone tipped me off to it. And then I researched it and I found it. It wasn't easy to find, <laughs> you know. So cap busting in the appellates on damages. Only in the appellates. Isn't that bizarre? Anyway, the law is stranger than fiction, right? Okay, so let me check my notes, see if I missed anything. Da, 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 da. I'm just thinking here. Oh, one of the things that's really weird is not only Professor James Tracy and other people, the professor was out of Florida Atlantic University and cited the same you know, reasons as Alex Jones for what was going on here, you know. And we have a right to do that under First Amendment free speech. That's what he argued as a professor. And so... You know, here we are 10 years later. One would think, okay, bear with, consider this thought. One would think if the 
objective of the parents' attorneys was to limit damages and limit trauma. You'd file a lawsuit ASAP, right? Why would you wait this long? You file the lawsuit as soon as possible to stop this type of online, what they might consider harassment or threats or direct threats and harassment, whatever, right? Wouldn't you think? The sooner the better. And clearly the attorneys go to court. The plaintiffs don't have to show up in court in a, a case like this. Alex Jones as a defendant would with his counsel. So, you know, one might say, well, it's too early on from the incident and they were suffering from trauma. Yes, but one way to heal trauma is to get type of what would be considered. Um, and I would tell you what, think about this. Okay, we're 10 years into it. We know that the 750,000 is the max cap for defamation in Texas by statute. And you can research that. So this 45 odd mil for defamation cannot, you, you can't collect on it unless, unless one takes it to the appellates, the plaintiff's counsel take it to the appellates and motion for the cap buster. You know what happens here? These things can get tied up in court for a very long time, right? So now we're looking at we're looking at ten years since the incident, and the appellate courts finished in the lower courts yet. Wow. Talk about re-traumatizing, re-victimizing, and just the thing going on forever. I don't know how long it's going to go on for. I'm not an attorney. I'm just looking at all these issues saying what's going on. And I'm not defending one side or the other. I'm just based on, as a pro se litigant, the civil suits I fought, I never got to the appellates to apply a cap buster. But I can say, you know, I, you know, I represented myself and I never lost in front of a judge in the civil matter for hearings. I withdrew those lawsuits without prejudice and from state courts, so there's no double jeopardy because certain cases have federal subject matter jurisdiction. You have to be within jurisdiction. For example, a divorce, you have to fight in state court. A probate matter, there's certain jurisdictions. You, you don't take that to federal. But what are called 42 U.S.C. 1983, that's, that's the statute, civil rights, lawsuits you can fight in state or federal. So I would do mine from state so I could fight them in federal. And I'm the plaintiff in my civil suit, so I have a right to do that, right? As long as I don't, if there's a judgment, then there's no double jeopardy. I would have to take it to the appellates. So getting back to this matter, okay, for anyone just, I see that, hi, how you doing, Everett? I hope I said that right. Um, I'm gonna start over, we have a new listener. There's only several points I'm making tonight to be considered. Let me first say, for anyone just listening, I'm not pro or con anybody in this. I'm just looking at the legal ongoings and the anomalies and discussing them for people to consider. The first one is the statute of limitations on damages, defamation on time, which is two to three years in Connecticut. Whether you're talking damages or defamation, they're all they're all damages with defamation and damages. And then you have two years in Texas. And the question is, when does the clock start and when does it end? Obviously, it starts from date of incident, but it can restart due to the, the accused, uh, 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 well, the plaintiff's accusation that the damages uh, went on until Alex Jones uh, kept talking about this issue in a way that they feel and claim is defamatory. And I don't know when that ended. Like did Alex Jones change his tune when? 2017, 2018, I don't know. I'm not the follower of Alex Jones. Maybe someone who does follow can tell me. So for those who've been listening, I'm gonna repeat the talking points so they can ask and research and ask their friends and whatever they wanna do with it, okay? So, okay, so I don't have answers to that. I don't, I'm not a, I mean, I just started listening to Alex Jones regarding COVID and the good doctors he had on, and then this issue came up, you see? So it's recent for me. So again, I'm repeating the talking points and they being statute limitations issues, right? The legal issues, 
So I'm starting from the present and working back. So again, statute of limitations on time. I'm going to repeat because I see I got some new listeners. The statute for damages in Connecticut is two years, three years defamation, or the other way around, I'm sorry, three years total on damages, two years defamation. In Texas, it's two years. So we have time limit statutes. And the question is, since this incident happened nearly 10 years ago, where's where's that? Now, the court has accepted the civil suits. So apparently the court feels it's within the two to three year statute, right? I mean, that's what the court has decided. But I think I always challenge the courts. You know, a lot of times the courts are politically motivated, right? And so you, so I always try and challenge the courts and do research. I haven't, because I don't know when, I, I, maybe you thought some of you who are, follow Alex Jones can say, oh, Bill, Alex Jones stopped talking about this in, I don't know, I'm picking a random date, uh, January 2018 or December 2018. I don't know. And then we'd have two years from there and then say, well, but when was the lawsuit filed? You see what I'm saying? Is it within the statute? I don't trust the court, so I would ask that question if I was, you know, I have been, but I haven't found it. <laughs> I haven't found the answer. The other thing is, you know, they're not being very transparent in this matter, are they? I don't think so. And then the other statute of limitation in Texas is for defamation. It's $750,000 or twice the, I'm having trouble with this word, compensatory. Ah, got it out. Compensatory or twice the compensatory damages with a max of 750000 And yet we have a jury come back with, what was it, 4 point odd million for compensatory and 45 odd million for um, what amounts to punitive, do you follow me, defamation. Well, I don't know what good the judgment is for 45 plus mil when the statute's 750000 You can't collect based on that judgment for, for the difference. You see what I mean? The statutes are created in the House and Senate, not in the court, right? Now, a judge does have some wee leeway on statute of limitations. Did I say wee way? Leeway on statute of limitations of time. They can issue a statute of limitation waiver under extenuating circumstances. Say you had a car accident and end up in the hospital. But really, your attorney, if you're bringing a suit, your attorney is representing you as a plaintiff. You don't have to even appear. You're not the one who's going to be questioned. You follow me? It's the defendant that has to show up and their attorney. So, okay, you see where I'm going with this? Now, one thing I did learn from doing one of my first one I did on this, um, Alex Jones, what's going on? What the heck's going on? Is that there is something, and only in the appellates, it's called a cat buster. The, 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 now, Alex Jones would not take this to the appellates in Texas wouldn't benefit him because the max is 750,000. Do you follow me? He wouldn't take it. No reason for him to take it to the appellates. Does that make sense? Because they can't collect on the 45 mil part of that under the statute, right? But the plaintiff can take it to the appellates and file for a cap buster. So that's news to me. And I, and, and with someone who tipped me off, who me, you know, dialoguing back, this is why I do this. You know, so I learn stuff, you know, and I'm, hopefully others can learn stuff. So the cap buster and the appellates. Okay, I will see what happens. The thing is, this is going to go on. It's already going on for 10 years. And when you, you know, there's other, uh, the civil suit in, in, in Connecticut, and there may be others, I don't know, that are going to come forward. And then we have what? We have the appellates. I'll tell you what, folks. <laughs> This can go on for quite a while. It's already been 10 years. And in my opinion, I was playing this counsel. I would have brought the lawsuits, if there is grounds to have it, ASAP, to try and button this up as soon as possible. Because you can't heal if you're constantly, uh, you know, like my father died, for example, and I was tied up to probate courts for four years. Okay, it turned out the CPA, Joe Castellano, ended up getting indicted and in prison. He was a fraud. And I was reporting to the DOJ Task Force on Corruption, Deidre Daly. I went to four corrupt judges. I've been with and from court versus corruption in this state, corrupticate. It's bad here. But we had a task force on corruption starting in 2015, the U.S. Attorney's Office, Deidre Daly. And so she was active. 
but only for a couple of years. You clean up the corruption in this state in a couple of years. This goes back generations. This is a founding state, corrupticate, right? And we have the home of the American Association, Yale Law, Yale Divinity School, Yale Psych, Harvard Law, Harvard Divinity School, you see? And then there's a Knights of Columbus Tower in the Haven. That's the home of the Knights for the whole country. This is the Constitution state. I call it the unconstitutional state. It's so corrupt because you don't love by and for the people when it's really political. That's what I found in court. It's always political. And so Deidre Daly's task force on corruption did indict Joe Castellano, the CPA, court appointed my father's probate matter. He eventually got indicted and went to prison. But there were a lot of co-conspirators. Anyone who's fought in probate knows there's executor, there's maybe your attorney, there's you know, the attorney of other beneficiaries, you're scrapping over the amount. There's the four judges. So, wow. So that's why I question the courts. You see, I've seen so much corruption here. Okay. So, so, okay. Statutes issues. We got the potential in the appellates for plaintiff's counsel to bring it to the appellates and Motion for cap buster. I don't know. You know, I, I only found one article that mentions cap buster in the appellates. The bust that statute limitation cap in Texas. But I don't know the history of how effective that's been. Or if that's a jury decision or a judge decision. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to leave it in the hands of one judge. That's for sure. And I don't know how many times it could be appealed. You know? I'm not an attorney. I'm just learning like you're all studying and trying to discuss it, hoping for some open dialogue. I know it's hard for people to talk about. And isn't that part of the problem? That this huge defamation, 45 mil, which with a statute of limitation of 750,000 in Texas, which you can find online, is going to quash free speech, in my opinion. And like I said, for those just tuning in, we had a lot of other people still out in the public domain and their posts are still up. If you look through Bravery Index on, you know, Sandy Hook, uh, Sandy Hook, False Flag, Sandy Hook, whatever you want to check out, you know. Are those people been sued? Why is those still up in the public domain? If they're in the public domain, then there's a free speech that they haven't been quashed, their free speech, right? And then you had the professor, um, James Tracy, out of Florida Atlantic University, who made the same argument about free speech. And he put out a blog questioning things just like Alex Jones did. You see? So now here's another interesting thing. Tucker Carlson, when he was sued for defamation, he claimed, or his lawyers claimed in court, that no one would take him seriously as a news broadcast. It's entertainment. He's an actor, it's entertainment. And he wasn't held liable for defamation. That's the, see, when people argue in court, it's all legal jockeying, right? But you might say, of course, Tucker, Tucker stands on the fact on a show, like he's about truth. So why would his lawyer go to court and say, no one would take that seriously as the news? You know, because they want to get out from liability, right? So arguments are made in court that seem completely detached from objective reality, don't they? It happens, all right? So the other one was Rachel Maddow, who was sued for defamation, and she made the same claim. But I don't know the details of the case, but that there was some aspect of it that couldn't be considered the news. It was her opinion. Do you follow me? Well, if it worked for them, why is it different for Alex Jones? And since the only arrest I've seen online, Brave and Yandex, is a woman out of Florida who allegedly made calls or some kind of communication. I don't know. Let me don't quote me on that. She made some electronic communication threatening, you know, the, the, the plaintiff's uh, clients the, and uh, uh, the parents. And I and I, I got to be careful what I say, but I think people can understand why I'm saying it this way. And so, so of course, 
this woman had a mental, as it turns out, had a series of mental illnesses. She was on medication for it. And she cited that she saw these things on multiple blog sites. And then she did what she did. How can you hold Alex Jones accountable for that? You can't. There's other people who still have their posts up in the public domain. If you search Brave or Yandex, I don't know about DuckDuckGo and I don't do the dark web. I don't know anything about it. But just through Brave and Yandex, I found posts, right? So there, if it's in the public domain, and it still is, and those people haven't been charged with anything or no civil suits against them. So isn't this perplexing? It's perplexing to me. And since it worked for Tucker, where he's not liable for comments made, i.e., no one would seriously consider this the news, it's entertainment, and he's an actor, then how is it different for Alex Jones? You know, you see what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to talk about the legal issues. And certainly we have a right to question things and we have free speech. And we, certainly let's let's back up a giant step. With the things we've seen our government do, right? I think you all know where I'm going with this. Well, let's cite a couple of them. Incubator, baby, incubator babies in Kuwait. That turned out to be a complete fraud. That brought us into Desert Storm, did it not? Or it had something to do with it? Then you have this alleged Syrian gas attacks at Duma and uh, the OPCW, the organization, um, shoot, I always forget what the P stands for. Prohibition, Organization of Prohibition for Chemical Weapons. They had whistleblowers came out and said, no, that Duma report's not true. And and uh, there was also Colonel Wilkerson who testified about to the same. Colonel Wilk Wilkerson, fellas, kind of bald with glasses, round features. Anyone ever seen? He's retired now. So, and 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 he's been on platform saying that the gray zone was one. Aaron Mate. And so we've seen our government, well, how about no weapons of mass destruction, right? No WMDs. So considering that, oh, I got a message in the live chat. How are you doing, brother? People are scared to talk about it. I know because they think they will face a similar punishment. Dark times in America, mass self-censorship. Yes, I understand that. And I totally understand it. And I understand. And that's why I'm, I'm willing to take the platform. Look, I've been arrested four times fighting corruption in this state. I've been illegally prosecuted, arrested four times. If you look me up online, William Bonatati, I look like I'm a big guy. I look like the biggest jerk in the world. And then you go on what's called Connecticut Judicial Case Lookup. Pretty simple to remember. Connecticut Judicial Case Lookup. Under criminal, my name, you'll, be a, you'll see a big fat zero. Because all that was illegal prosecution, false police reports, illegal, I mean, uh, unbelievable what they put me through. That's what happens when you fight the establishment. I sued three law firms, right? They're connected. Like George Carlin said, it's a big club and we're not in it. I'll tell you, that's the truth. I sued three law firms. I sued uh, two hotel chains, Hilton Hampton and Extended Say and uh, American Express, and I was going to add uh, B of A. That was the first lawsuit I filed. I was going to add them as as defendants. I sued the town of Trumbull. When you sue, when you want to sue and go after the police here in America, you have to sue the municipality or the state, depending on what level the police are, and then you make the police defendants. So I sued the town of Trumbull, and I sued a law firm in Trumbull, Mullins and Cotter. And I was prevailing in civil court. Never lost an arguable motion. Uh, uh, defendants motions to, for dismissal. There's three forms, strike, non-suit, summary judgment. So there are three hearings, separate hearings on that. And all their motions were denied by the judge and mine were sustained for continuance. So I, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I've, I have a degree in resource economics and I study and I do research and here I am. So I understand. So my position, I've been to the FBI office. They wouldn't even open the door for me, 1000 Lafayette Boulevard in Bridgeport. I spoke through the door jam. They knew me because I'd been calling in. 
to the district office in the Haven. They work together. They wouldn't even open the door. I said, look, I got documents. I want to report crimes that are not being pursued, corrupt police departments, judges. They wouldn't even open the door. No one here to take your documents. I'm like, what? Who are you? What do you mean there's no one to take my documents? Well, if we need them, we'll call you. No. I kept calling. Nope, Mr. Bonatati, if we need, we'll call you home. Been to the DOJ in the Haven, 157 Church Street, 25th floor. Same thing. They wouldn't meet with me. Had most, I got judges recused and probate and civil and criminal and family. Most of the judges that were in the courthouse in Milford were former U.S. attorneys. Out of the DOJ. It's like George Carlin said, it's a big club. We're not in it. It's not a government of, by, and for the people know that. It's of, by, and for the transnational corporations, which include the Catholics that are the puppeteers that pull the strings above them. We all know that. The courts are political theater. They're completely corrupt. You know, our politics, I know I'm singing to the choir. You know what I'm talking about. So this, you know, you end up with a political witch hunt that can end up in court. And that's what I perceive part of this because, and I'm, and I'm, that's my perception. I have a right to feel that way. And so my perception is they put me through the ringer. If they've got no case to stick, no criminal case to stick, I got everyone dropped. So I'm like, here I am. I'm not going to stop talking. And I haven't. They stopped arresting me. And I know my rights of free speech. And I have a right to say these things. And I'm like, I put it out there. When I was on Facebook, they eventually banned me for citing COVID truths that the good doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough, American Frontline Doctors, and um, uh, Frontline COVID Critical Care Doctors, Dr. Pierre Corey and uh, Paul Merrick testified to in front of Ron Johnson hearing. So I'm like, hey, you want to ban me from Facebook? You're corrupt. You know, I'm not going to be frightened by the Ministry of Truth because then if I bowed onto that, I give over my power and and I submit to tyranny. And that's not who I am. So I'm happy to put the word out there and try and share what I've learned. And you can share it with your friends in closed rooms or whatever and amongst one another. And then do some research. And um, you know, I the way I look at life, the movie It's a Wonderful Life with Jim Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. We never know who we touch. You know what I mean, brothers and sisters? We never know who we touch. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been through it. I know how to fight it. And people say, well, they, you can get arrested under the Patriot Act. I'm like, really? Think of all the people that have to arrest under the Patriot Act. Are you kidding? That's a veiled threat. And they put up examples like Julian Assange and Snowden and all the other folks that whistleblowers they arrested illegally and are detaining to scare us into submission. I'm not that guy. So I'm, I'm, you know, that's that. So I'll be happy to cover the, the, you know, what I can learn up there and call in. I got banned from fake book. Uh, they won't post my Twitter post and I got banned from telegram. Not for COVID stuff because COVID stuff's all over telegram, but for citing 9-11, uh, Dr. Judy Woods, justification, I can't tell what it was exactly. I cited that. And of course, um, Major General Stubbleby and surveillance, uh, Alan Sobrowski, war college professor and Marine, what they said about 9-11. And then people, oh, if you want, if you're interested, you can go to first call in on 9-11. And it was a long way. A lot of people get involved. It was very lively. And it was on 9-11. And that's, that's in the call in, what do you call it? Library or something, whatever. And uh, you may find that of interest. And I've done, uh, this is my second one on Alex Jones, what the heck is going on, as you can tell. So you can listen to one and two. And I learned one thing critical between one and two is the cap buster that can be done in the appellates um, brought by, would be brought by the plaintiffs to try and collect on the, um, the defamation uh, award in Texas that exceeds the cap by 41 odd million dollars because the cap is 750,000 and you can find that just by googling texas you know defamations uh 
maximum dollar amount for stat you know what's the statute you see what i mean so that's how i do my research i'm not you know special so anyway ladies and gentlemen my what i learned was um if i make these long and i don't know how long i've been going for here oh an hour and six. if it goes protracted then exceeds the memory capacity of my phone and they won't let or whatever they won't let me edit it i thought everything's stored in the cloud they so I have a friend uh, uh, who who helps me with this, and he told me he told me keep it short, otherwise we won't be able to um, uh, publish it. I really don't have much else to say tonight, but I appreciate you all listening. And I saw there's a new group came over, and I listened to some. I I I didn't join in there because they were talking about many different things, and I. I, I I was waiting to see if someone mentioned AJ and this whole thing. So I might try that again in the future and share on uh, with their calling. First time I heard the show and I was listening and they were talking about Trump and it's like, I, I don't want to be out of context. Let me see. So I'm going to check back in on that. And I see uh, Anthony, I recognize your photo uh, as a listener in that group. So maybe I'll go there in the future. For, and, and I did um, follow a lot of those folks. So hoping in the future I'll be able to, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to talk about these things on, on, on that, in that room. You follow me? And of word, thank you for, for contributing to that. I'm gonna end the room so that way, um, hopefully it'll be able to be published and, um, and I'll be able to edit it and publish it, okay? So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. In the People's Corner, hailing from Corrupticate, the unconstitutional state, the Italian Clydesdale, over and out. Good night, everybody.